I'm Jason Mitchell. I'm with the Shields Pro Staff. You're listening to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Shields Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and today we are talking ice fishing preparation and tactics with Jason Mitchell. Thank you for joining us today, Jason. Let us know what you've been up to lately. Well, I've been getting ice fishing stuff ready, obviously, you know, I'm excited to get that started. I've still been fishing, you know, still have the boat sitting there and been getting out and I, I see I get out on the nicer days, but I've been getting out on some of the not so nicer days too, I guess, but uh, kind of wrapped up our filming for the year for fishing and then uh, been doing a lot of hunting too. You know, it's kind of that in-between time frame where, you know, I, I love to hunt, you know, and so I can fish year round, but I can't hunt year round. And so I definitely try to get as much hunting in as I can too. So, mm-hmm, Perfect. Yeah. It's just, it's tough to put that boat away. You know, you got some, some of the best fishings in the fall, but then, you know, hunting seasons open up too. It's okay, just, you know, I, I you wish October hit- November lasted <laughs> half the year. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. You know, I mean, it's just too much to do. Some of the best fishing of the year, nobody out there. Then obviously you've got archery hunting, you know, deer hunting, bird hunting, waterfall. I mean, it's just been Ice fishing is going to be right here before we know it. So, mm-hmm, Absolutely. Have you been on some really good hunts lately? Have you tagged anything? I haven't tagged a big game animal yet this year. I've been archery hunting some in North Dakota. I didn't draw any tags out west this year, so this is the first year in many years I haven't elk hunted or mule deer hunted out west, which I'm really missing that this year. But uh, I've been bow hunting around town, around home here in North Dakota and uh, I guess I probably haven't hunted that many days. I've hunted a handful of days, but I haven't been really finding the right things when I'm scouting as far as when I'm glassing or with trail cameras. And so I, I'm kind of methodical. If it doesn't look right, I, I, you know, save my points and try to be a dad and a husband too versus sitting out there every day when it ain't happening. And so um, that's been my best strategy is try to hunt smarter, I guess. And so because uh, what happens if you hunt too much and it ain't working, the deer just pattern you and you just screw it up. You make it worse and worse and worse every day you sit there without shooting the deer that you're after, you know? So, uh, but actually I'm going out tonight and I got to, you know, I, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, I think there's probably a 40, 50% chance I would guess that, uh, I'll see him. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about that hunt smarter, not harder. And, you know, build up a little, little bit of brownie points with the spouse. So then you can really, take advantage of those times where, you know, you got the right wind or you have a cold front coming in, deer really moving. And it's just, you know, it, it probably sounds counterintuitive, right? Because, you know, there's saying you can't kill anything sitting on the couch and you have to put in your time. But uh, what I find is if I put in my time scouting, I'm better off. And if I, even if I have the wrong wind or I don't feel right about a spot, I'll just sit back and glass versus actually going in the stand. Because I, you know, every time you go in, every time you come out, in my mind, you're just, you're just cluing everything in. And, and when you have deer that start just catching, when you have deer that know they're getting hunted and they're on to you, uh, where they're looking up in your stand to see if you're there or not, 
you've been sitting there too many days. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely. That's where things like those observation stands really come in handy, you know, spots where you can get close and, you know, maybe have a chance, but you can really like look over your area and see what's going on and get kind of that bird's eye view, but not be, uh, not be in so much danger of being noticed yeah. when you're out there. I, you know, I, mean, I imagine uh, go to different areas, different situations, different hunting properties, you know, everything hunts differently, but what I find is if I've done my homework, usually I kill that deer that I want to kill. First sit is the best sit. Second sit, third sit, that's when it happens. It's not the 10th sit or the 11th day that, I, you know, I mean, that could be a lot different during the rut, obviously, where you could kill a big deer you've never seen before that's just wandering by at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But, uh, you know, outside of the rut, usually it's that first couple of sits is when it happens if you've done your homework. So I... I've been doing my homework. <laughs> there you go. Well, go well, it. hopefully, hopefully that homework pays off and you hit the, the trophy buck honor roll here shortly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're hoping. That's so. <laughs> yet to come last week of October right now. So, I mean, I'll be hunting, well, depending on the wind, I'll be try to hunt every night. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, best of luck f- with you on that. So, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about ice fishing season. So what is your sort of routine to prepare for the ice fishing season? Well, probably the biggest thing, obviously, you know, assembling fish traps, you know, if you've got new shelters, you know, assembling those. And there's a lot of things that you can do to accessorize, you know, like whether it's putting a tow bar on or a tow hitch, uh, if you're using a snowmobile or a side-by-side or a four-wheeler to tow it. Um, even if I, even if it's a smaller, like a lighter one-man, I'll, I'll, you know, do some stuff with the tow rope where I'll put, uh, I like to put clasps on and a longer rope so that way it's easier to tow and I can unhook the tow rope if I want. I, you know, I put eye bolts in the tub and, you know, I'll put rod holders and I use a lot of milk crates and in the bottoms of the tubs for the flip overs uh, just to organize the gear. And so it's just a lot of putting stuff together, assembling stuff, organizing stuff, and then uh, a whole lot of stripping old line off reels and putting new line on. I mean, that's, that's a big process. And, and probably the biggest thing for what we do is that, you know, we fish all over the place. And so, like, when I was just, say, a guide on Devil's Lake, I had a lot of stuff to get ready, but all I had to worry about is what I'm going to use on Devil's Lake. You know, now we film all over. I mean, for example, on Devil's Lake, you know, we might be using a lot of braid, for example, for walleye fishing. We're using, like, an 8- or 10-pound braid and a certain rod action, you know, with maybe a certain rod action for dead sticks and a certain rod action for jigging, and that pretty much covers your bases. But you go to different parts of the country and you, you encounter different things where you have to have different setups and different lines. And and so just lots of, uh, you know, lots of tackle to organize. I mean, I can't even tell you what a mess my jig boxes are right now <laughs> after putting them away in April when <laughs> I mean, you just want to throw it in a corner, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just organized. I mean, I like to have my stuff right and tight and organized and I like to have my equipment, you know, ready to rock and roll. I mean, that isn't always the case because we run hard and then we leave like a bone pile of stuff behind us. <laughs> but <laughs> we like to at least start off that way with good intentions. So. Yep, absolutely. It's so easy for someone to do, you know, when you get that last ice or, you know, that was your last trip of the season, just, you know, chuck it in the side of the garage or put away into storage and, and yeah, a lot of times it is, it is not that nice and, uh, and tidy for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, I even try to tell my kids this and my employees this, you know, I mean, I've broken plenty of things. I mean, that's basically part of my job is to see if I can break it or, <laughs> you know, and if, it, if I can't break it, then companies feel better about selling it, you know, but, uh, uh, 
we are hard on equipment and it's it's there's a difference so between using your equipment hard and using it for what it was intended to be used for and not taking care of it you know and uh you know you take care of your stuff it looks better you know, and if it looks better you take better care of it you know it's kind of like a car right if it's brand new or a truck you know if it's brand new and it smells new you know you're going to be really particular about everything but if it's just covered in dust and dirt and mud and you can't even tell what color it is pretty soon you start treating it like it's an old beater well then pretty soon it is an old beater because that's the way you've been treating it you know and so i always try to especially with my kids and employees you know let's keep everything nice and right and tight and then that way it you know when it comes time to trade in or whatever it's worth more so yeah absolutely i find myself doing that same thing too you know like i, I started ice fishing you know a long time ago getting the you know 10 15 dollar combo rods and reels and and then you know now i've got a lot more into you know technique specific stuff you know whether i want to use a light jig or like you know a, a jig and wrap or something like that and then i started getting you, you know those higher you know, a little bit more expensive rods and reels, like your tuned up customs or, you know, your higher end rods and stuff like that. And you notice that you just take a little bit more time with those, whether it's, you know, putting them, putting them perfectly into your rod box or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's things that uh, people won't do to a $300 rod that they'll do to a $30 rod. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, you don't stick a bunch of $300 rods sticking up in a five gallon bucket and put it in the back of your snowmobile and drive across the lake for three miles. I mean, you just don't do that, you know? So yeah, you definitely, you definitely do take care of things a little bit differently, you know, but uh, you know, what's, what's cool about the industry right now though, is that we do have all these different price points. Like when we first started our rod line, oh goodness, that was 15 years ago, maybe a little more, you know, we were the most expensive rod, ice fishing rod in uh, a big box outdoor retail store at $30. Okay. Now you look at where it's at today. You know, there's 20, 30, 40, $50 rods that are great rods. And then there's 100, 200. I mean, you can spend as much as you want and get as, as really technical and specific as you want as far as an action. You know, so it's kind of cool to see where this industry has gone, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can still catch a lot of fish, though, with a $20 rod. <laughs> I can yeah, tell you that. Absolutely. You take a nice noodle rod. I mean, think of a panfish at a been caught on that you know Mm -hmm. yeah it is cool you know it's ice fishing could really be whatever the person wants to make it you know if you just want to go out there and get started you know you can have you know you can have a, a base model rod and put a put a hook and a minnow and a bobber and be ready to go. Or, you know, you can really get into it with like this forward facing sonar and all kinds of technique specific rods. So it's just, it's just really cool to have ice fishing be whatever you really want to make it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different tools out there. There's a lot of things that can help you at the end of the day, you know, if you can just put in the time or put in the time in along with, you know, having some type of a good mentor that can really teach you and show you things. Uh, that's, that's crucial. You know, that's probably one of the things that we're, uh, that we maybe sometimes overlook as an industry, you know, you look at COVID across the board, I want to say with boating and fishing licenses, everything was up 20%. Okay. Now, since we're gotten back to normal, there's been a huge churn rate where we've had a huge turnover of new people in the industry where a lot of these people that got back into fishing are now getting out. Well, why are they getting out? Is it because hockey's back? Is it because their kids are back in activities? Is it because it could be a lot of things. It could be that, you know, the inflation is just less disposable income. There's probably a lot of different factors, but one of the things that I worry about is sometimes 
we take newer beginning anglers and we try to make it really complicated like oh you got to have forward facing sonar you got to have this you got to have that you got to have a 200 dollars ice fishing rod or you're not going to catch a bluegill has got the brain the size of a peanut right mm-hmm. and we intimidate people from getting into it and getting started and and like i always tell people you know what if, if at the end of the day if you just go out and i mean when i was a kid i would lay on the ice and pull my sweatshirt hood over the top of my head so i could look down the ice and i'd watch these perch swim around in four feet of water i was just fascinated by it i was cold i was soaking wet shivering you know there was no such thing as gore-tex or any of this stuff we were like brown bib carharts whether we were doing work outside or fishing or hunting we didn't have like a waterfall hunting set of clothes or a deer hunting set of clothes or an ice fishing we just wore the same dirty crusty carharts everything that we did you know it wasn't very technical you know but we you know just lay out there and and just watch fish i always tell people so we get we get a lot of people that reach out to us, you know, or we'll run into them at a seminar or we'll run into them when we're doing a Shields event, for example, and they're very beginning, very new. They don't have a lot of experience. And, um, and you know, what's really cool or refreshing is that no matter how high tech this gets, no matter how far down the road we get with technology and equipment, you can go out there with some real basic stuff and just have the time of your life. Say you have two young kids, you know, if you buy four or five tip-ups and a bucket of minnows, you're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. You put a hole in the ice where you can look down the hole and that water's clear enough to see down six feet. You're going to have kids staring down that hole all day. Every time a bass sticks his, swims by or a big pike sticks his nose into your hole and you're looking down. And I mean, it's just, you know, the outdoors is just great for people, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that needs to be stressed sometimes is that um, I know some phenomenal anglers that don't have a lot of stuff. And if you were to see them, you wouldn't be that impressed by, you know, just the the shelf appeal, you know, they have an old John boat and they fish on the river with, and they always got their head down so that hopefully they don't have to talk to you because they don't want you fishing by them, you know, <laughs> but I know some phenomenal anglers that, you know, are sitting up all by themselves in the corner of the lake on a bucket hunched over. People drive by, they don't even turn and look and, uh, you know, they know a few things and they don't need a lot of gear to do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the more I fish, the more I enjoy bringing kids out too, you know, oh, like yeah. I've, I've spent a lot of time on the ice and trying to figure things out, testing out new lures, rods, electronics, whatever. But you know, nowadays it's just, it's more fun to bring somebody out for the first time and, and just see the excitement in their eyes as they're reeling up a fish. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think one thing that maybe doesn't get stressed enough or maybe it isn't understood by people that don't hunt or they don't fish or they're not into the outdoors, that outdoor lifestyle, they maybe they weren't brought up around it, is that hunting and fishing is so good for people, you know, and it's just, it's just good for people. And every once in a while, you know, we'll get beat up, you know, somebody will be just really upset with us, for example, because we showed people a technique that was supposed to be a secret or we fished on a lake and somebody recognized the shoreline and, you know, there's too many people fishing on that lake the next year or whatever. And we try to be sensitive to stuff, you know, because we're anglers as well. But, uh, you know, I've never been apologetic, though, for just helping people and showing people how to catch fish or, catch, you know, have a good time doing it, have some success doing it. Because I feel like if we can get more people fishing, it's just good. Obviously, you've got more support for the industry. You've got more support for the resource, right? If nobody cares bad things are going to happen to our environment, to our fisheries in a hurry because nobody's going to care. Right. And, um, the other thing though, is that fishing is just good for people. It's really good for young people. You know, you look at all the craziness in the world. And I've said this many times, but you know, when I, when a young kid that's, you know, in his, in his junior high years or high school years walks into a school with a rifle, 
and shoots at people that he's known his whole life, right? Or you look at the news and there's some young, angry young man on the hood of a car with a bat beating in the windshield of a car. You think that person just got done climbing out of a tree stand? You think that person just got done catching a bass on a topwater? No, right? Fishing is good for people. We need more people fishing. We need more people hunting. It's it's just, uh, and, and some people argue, well, yeah, but you can go out in a kayak or you can bird watch or hike and not have to kill or hurt anything. But there's such a, a tremendous sense of uh, the, the highs are high and the lows are low of fishing where you learn so much about yourself. And there's such an accumulation of, uh, of, of emotion where let's face it, hunting and fishing can kick your butt at times, right? You, there's days where I, I go out and I feel like the worst angler on the planet. Yeah, I try absolutely. a lot of don't work, right? I mean, that's probably another thing is that people don't realize how many tough days I have. People who just watch TV shows think, man, that must be nice. Go around and fish with a bunch of really good guides on really good lakes, and all you do is catch fish. Well, there's a lot of days that we don't show. <laughs> there's a lot of things we try that don't work. There's times where, I mean, but you have to, right? And you have to be okay with that. But, but you know, you, you, but you, you say you go fishing on a new lake, for example, and you try four or five things that don't work, and you're thinking and you're trying to do different things. And all of a sudden, the fifth thing you try works, and you have some type of success. It's a huge sense of accomplishment. That I don't know if a person just hiking down a trail or just bird watching maybe would ever know because I think like if, I feel like you're so much more vested into it. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a you know I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hiking or bird watching or any of that stuff because they're all great outdoor activities that get you outside, but. There's a connection, I think, with hunting and fishing is just so much more passionate, so much more emotional. I think that's why hunters and anglers, they, they are way more passionate than any other segment in the outdoor community that you can think of. I mean, they are, I mean, look at the money they spend, look at the, the, the conservation projects that they support. I mean, it's astronomical. You look at like what waterfall hunters will spend on the resource willingly, wantingly. They want to, you know, they'll buy federal, extra federal duck stamps They'll buy extra. They'll put four or five of them in their wallet. When's the last time you saw, you know, a, a kayaker buy extra duck stamps? You know, there's a passion with hunting and fishing and a connection with hunting and fishing that, uh, you know, is just, you cannot replace it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Really well spoken there, Jason. So, um, you know, let's move a little bit into some new stuff for this year. So you've got a signature line of ice shelters here with Shields. Can you talk to us a little bit about those and uh, maybe some new features, some things you're excited about? Yeah, well, on well, the biggest feature across the board was, is the new XT frame. And one of the things that we wanted or, or hoped for, or wished for, for quite a while is that we could increase the height in the front of the fish house basically so that it opens up and creates more more fishable room on the ice. And why that's important, first off, especially if you're using a two-man shelter, is you can run dead sticks a lot better. Okay, you know, we, before with a, with a shelter, you know, we had an angle in the front. Well, if you drill the hole close to the front of the fish house, what happens when you set your rod? Your rod tip's hitting the front of your fish house. And if you don't spread them out that far apart, your lines are getting tangled. You know, you want to you want to be able to you know, spread your dead sticks out away from where you're jigging enough to where you don't have a mess and then have room for your heater and your electronics and all that stuff. And so if we could increase the height on the front of the fish house, uh, a couple of things, you could use a longer rod, for example, at extra height, uh, use longer rods, spread your dead sticks out. It just opens up the fish house. And then there's other um, things too, like, for example, fishing lake trout. Okay, a lot of times you're in 100 feet of water, and uh, 
you know, you really got to set the hook. And a lot of times even back away from the hole, but you got to get that rod up over your head when you're setting into a lake trout. And uh, you can't, it's really, really difficult to do that style of fishing, for example, sitting on a, on a chair in a flip over a shack where you just can't get the leverage. And so a lot of times when you go up north or, you know, when it's really brutal conditions where you need to use a, some type of a shelter, lake trout fishing, you know, a lot of it's gone to hubs. You know, a lot of people are using hubs for lake trout. Well, they're not the most easiest thing to move around if you have to run and gun, you know. And so I think with this new XT frame design, I think we're going to see more lake trout anglers gravitate back towards flipovers. But um, even like with the single man uh, flipovers, increasing that height in the front, all of a sudden you can use a longer rod, you know, which, you know, the older I get, the more I can appreciate a longer rod at times because I hate bending over all day. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, a lot of things to like about it. And um, we uh able to increase the height and then also put in side doors on the side of the shelter. And, you know, we got to test these shelters last year, you know, and obviously when you, when you have a windy day, you know, you always set up your flip over where your back is to the wind, you know, and you know, if it's really windy, a lot of times I'd use the braces. I'd keep a 20 pound propane tank in the tub, but there's also some really slick ice anchor designs for cranking or screwing the tub of your fish trap or, or uh, ice shelter, your fish trap onto the ice. So that way it doesn't move in the wind, you know? And so I was impressed with how they performed in the wind. Cause that was one of the things, one of the concerns I had is if you make it taller, you know, what's yeah, a wind better going chance that it's going to blow over or move and stuff like yeah, that. Just, yeah, they're just going to catch more wind, you know, but uh, played around with that and was happy with that. And so I think it's going to be a, a superior design. And so, yeah, I mean, we've got several different models available exclusively with shields where we just kind of handpicked some of the things that we really liked. Um, you know, really nimble one-man portables that you can lift up into a car or, or in the back of an SUV or pick up by yourself that are really easy to pull by hand. Then there's other, you know, more heavy-duty tubs, for example, that um, were built for, you know, long-distance portages and long distances behind snowmobiles at high speeds. You know, it, it's uh, there's no such thing as a perfect shelter for everything because there's so many different uses and applications. Uh you, if you're using a, a snowmobile, for example, you're going to want a really good tub, you know, and you're going to want some weight back there so that it pulls good behind your sled, you know. And uh, if you have to pull that same shelter by hand through some snow across the lake and then lift it up into your car when you're done, you don't want that extra weight. No, you, know, you don't want that thick tub, you know. And so that's what's really cool about the Shields lineup is it's really the best of both worlds. It's it's the best of everything, you know, no matter what your fishing style is. So. Mm, absolutely. That's one of the things I like best about that line too, is just, there's something for everyone, depending on the style you fish, you know, oh, if, yeah. you, if you got a snowmobile or if you just always put it in the back or if you're always walking out, you know, just talk with one of the Shields people and they'll get you set up with the one that's going to, that's going to be the most efficient for your style of fishing. Yep. And if you're looking for something really warm in the most brutal conditions, I mean, that X 200 with that fabric, I mean, <laughs> there's not a, I don't know if there's a, if there's a heavier fabric on a fish on a ice shelter. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, that thing is just a, a warrior of a fish house. I mean, up, if you're fishing like places like Winnipeg or just really brutal conditions with that tub and that fabric, I mean, it is warm no matter how nasty, no matter how windy it could be well, well below zero, 30, 40 below zero and windy and nasty and just borderline where you probably shouldn't even be out there and you'll be content and warm and happy and that. So, 
Very cool. So let's transition a little bit to like some lures. What are some, uh, what are some new lures you're excited about? Maybe stuff you've been fishing with for a while that you've had to keep secret and can finally talk about them now. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really good at keeping secrets. I mean, I get prototypes I mess with and then I get chewed out for putting a picture on Instagram or something. So I'm not the right guy for that, but I just use it till I lose it. And then, or I'll get a prototype and it's only like one or two in the country and uh, I lose it on a pike or something. And, People are mad at me because they're supposed to present it at a sales meeting. I'm like, well, you should have got more of them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you wanted me to use it. You want me to just talk about it or to use it, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the new uh, pinhead minnows, you know, they're made out of zinc now, which gave it a little bit different action. It kind of accentuated that that side-to-side rock. And uh, that is going to be a good I mean, the pinhead minnow was a good one before, and it kind of grew on I me. Mean, when it first came out, I was like, eh caught some fish on it but it, truthfully i was i was kind of working the lure wrong which that happens i mean sometimes you get a new lure and you hear a little bit of buzz about it and uh you go out and use it yourself and maybe you're using it the same way as you're using another favorite lure and it's just not the same it doesn't work the same and yeah not really don't really fall in love with something but then you see oh that person's working a little differently than how i was and you go back to it and and uh, warm up to it you know so that's kind of how the the pinhead minnow was for me where basically it's just a really hard just a really hard pound a really hard quiver and it just causes that spoon just to kind of shake in place it's not a lot of ripping it's not a lot of high strokes it's just a just a hard pound or a hard quiver and um, once i figured that out then i started catching a lot of fish with it and i really grew to like that lure and with that by changing it to zinc you just get more of a just more of a kind of a flash on it and it just causes that that bottom blade to swing around a little more so i don't know i i really like that lure um it, it seems also seems to show up better on the electronics which you know might be an advantage or a disadvantage i guess depending on how deep water you are and how big your cone angle is but uh, mm-hmm. that's one lure i think is going to be hot this year yeah um, before we move to any I, I got a few questions for you on this on this pinhead minnow so i fished with it a little bit had some success not a lot of success um what are your thoughts on the the full body versus the jointed and when would you use one over another well overall i use the full the the full body the most you know especially for panfish. I just really, really like that. Um, and it's just a hard quiver. And a lot of times, too, and, and nothing works all the time, okay? Um, as good as a plain hook and a split shot can be with a little bit of bait on it, even that doesn't work good all the time, right? I mean, there's no such thing as, you know, like a, I wish there was a miracle lure that just caught fish everywhere at will. But but where it really shines is when you have packs of fish, and like especially with with crappies and you can get some fish to lift or accelerate like say you've got a pack of 20 crappies and there's three or four big ones 10 small ones and a couple of medium-sized ones and they and they say if those fish will rise three four five feet in the water column you know they're they're a little uh, they, they can be wound up and you're fishing three four feet up above those fish maybe even a little more the big fish will beat the small fish to it so that's one way that you can separate or sort out the size of fish but whenever you can get fish to rise it just seems like that that pinhead minnow is on fire, and uh, you know, again, it, I mean, there's times where the fish won't rise. There's times where those fish you just can't even get them to budge six inches; they're just off. Well, pinhead minnow might not be the right move. Then it might be a a tiny little drop kick jig with a couple of wax worms that are pinched, you know, because they're mm-hmm. even the soft plastics are turning up their nose. You know, what I'm saying sometimes with fish you got to go through a process of eliminations. Now, one situation where I really liked the jointed was walleyes. Okay. 
And uh, like up at Urban last year, which Urban and Alice, I mean, they're like, people call them feeder lakes. They're connected to Devil's Lake and they're really shallow. Okay. And a lot of times they'll freeze up first before everything else. So a lot of times we'll be on those, those shallow lakes before we can actually get out on Devil's Lake. And some years, the wind will blow hard before those lakes freeze up and the water is really dirty. Like when you go out at first ice and you're on four inches of ice and you drill a hole, and you can't see the bottom of the ice and four inches of ice. And the water is that dirty. You're typically going to have really tough fishing. And for whatever reason, it takes a long time for that sediment that's in the water to settle. It might take two, three, four weeks. Okay. It takes a while. And what's interesting is if you have a hard wind in the summertime, it'll settle in two or three days. But when you have a hard wind late in the fall, it takes a couple of weeks. And I think what it is, the only thing I can think of is it's like, it must be a water density. When the water gets really cold, it gets dense and it like it suspends those particles for a lot longer period of time. Mm-hmm. But either way, you can have a really tough bite when you have those strong, strong winds right as the lake freezes up and churns it all up. And uh, so last year, you know, we had a little bit of that where the water was kind of dirty right away. And um, I was, trying different things. And, um, I mean, first thing I did is I, you know, I drilled, I mean, I was walking out. So I mean, it, it's always tougher to try things when you're walking to your spots. But, um, the first couple of spots I tried, I, uh, didn't do that great. And the water was really dirty and I didn't really have a lot of confidence. And I just kept moving to different areas of the lake. And sometimes you can kind of find a quadrant or an area that for, for, for whatever reason was maybe out of the wind a little bit, or was maybe settled a little more, your visibility increases maybe an inch or two. I got up on the north end and uh, found a few areas like that where the visibility was maybe four inches, three inches, you know, just a touch better. And uh, with that pinhead minnow would end up being my best lure. And normally I, I love like glide baits, like uh, Tika minnows and, you know, that type of stuff. And I'm a real big glide bait guy. And, uh, you know, my normal stuff wasn't working that great. I mean, I, I, I did enough with it to slow me down and knew that I was in the right thing, right spot doing the wrong things. But, um, I went to that pinhead minnow, and I think what it is because it's jointed is that I just, if I jig it too much, it gets tangled on itself. And that was one of the things I didn't like about it when I first tried it. But if you don't jig it and you just kind of just rock it and pound it, so it just kind of moves like a, like a, almost like a minnow just wobbling in place, it's, it was deadly in that situation. I used that pinhead minnow, that jointed pinhead minnow a lot last winter, especially whenever the water was dirty. I would just just roll it in place and just kind of rock it in place, just a just a, maybe an inch, two inch stroke, and just it just kind of bob it. It wasn't even really a hard pound; it was just a boop 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 like that, and uh, just a minnow head on it. And I think it makes a lot of noise when it's. I oh, got all those pieces that are kind of mm-hmm. grinding it against each other. Where it's it's almost like a rattle, but it's a different type of noise. But that thing was my best lure, a lure I'd never hardly even caught a fish on before last year. And being like, I mean, I got some that are so chewed up, can't even tell what color they are. They, all the paint's gone off of them. You know, so, you know, it's always fun to learn something. You know, there's always something new to learn, you know. Or, yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's pretty cool, too. And I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, you know, relate to this. You, you see some people catching with a brand new lure, and it's like, oh, I want to try that. And then you, you take it out, and you don't have success with it. And then you're on to the next new hot lure or something that's catching fish, you know. It pays to pull that out, you know, maybe try some new situations, some different tactics, you know. They make that lure for a reason. It's caught fish before, so yeah. it's it, yeah, it's very I, I interesting. That happens a lot with fishing where, and I've been guilty of it, I think we're all guilty of it. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way to look at this, but sometimes people make up their minds very quickly, you know, become very opinionated quickly. And, and uh, sometimes with fishing, you know, 
doesn't hurt to have an open mind and kind of almost turn that emotional switch off, I think can make you a lot better angler. You know, I can't tell you how many times where there was something new, right. That was, that was working for a lot of people. I tried it a few times. was probably doing it wrong, maybe in the wrong spots, wrong time, whatever. Didn't have any success with it. And, um, it's really easy to form a strong opinion based on my own personal experiences. Well, yeah, I, even though everybody else is catching fish doing that, it isn't any good because I can't catch them doing that. But, you know, sometimes you just have to go back to things. And, um, and why is that important? I mean, as long as you're having fun, that's the most important thing. You can be a one trick pony, have one jig in your box for the rest of your life. As long as you're having fun, who cares? Right. But I think, um, you know, as far as just catching fish, I think a person becomes a lot more dangerous if they can be flexible, if they can be versatile. You know, it's almost like I always compare it to like a process of elimination where first thing you got to do is you got to try to find fish, which a lot of times you can find fish doing a lot of different things, right? You can, you know, does it really matter? I mean, if you're the first person to drop down on fish and you're finding fish, you can do things, you can do a lot of different things. But then once you find them, is that working or do you have to do something different? You know, is there something better, you know, and then you have to read the conditions and, and try different things. And it's almost like from a presentation standpoint, I always say it's almost like turning the channel on a black, old black and white TV. So you just keep turning the channel until you find a station, right? Mm-hmm. You got to keep turning that channel until you find something those fish are responding well to. And sometimes that changes through the day. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think like, I think more tools, more things that you're comfortable with, the better, like say if you're a, big panfish guy or gal, uh, you know, get really comfortable using live bait, get really comfortable using soft plastics. Don't ever say one is better than the other, you know, have, you know, be comfortable, you know, using a spring bobber, for example, knowing just a straight graphite tip is better, you know, get comfortable with a handful of different things, you know, with, with, and have confidence with it and, and understand the, the situation. Sometimes just to, it's not like you can predict what the conditions are going to be. You you go out and you have a, a say, a, a bigger soft plastic, like a Mackie minnow or a Jamie or something, and you're fishing for crappies and you're over a basin and usually works really well. And one day you go out and you know fish aren't, they're not moving fast. They won't climb up in the water column. They're not, you know, they're just off. Um, maybe the, you know, and then you got to downsize, or maybe it's where you got to go to live bait, whatever. But you know, the more flexible you can be, my mind, the better off you are. Plus, it's fun. It's fun learning stuff. It's fun. It's fun catching fish. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the best things about fishing and just the outdoor industry in general is like no two days are the same. There's always different, you know, variables. And in when you when you try a bunch of different things and then figure out how to overcome these, you know, issues with not catching fish and figuring things out. It just makes it that much more rewarding. Absolutely. It does. I mean, there's a, you know, we get, we get back to the, the, the sense of that personal satisfaction that, that you can get from fishing, you know, when you, you just, when you know that you, you figured it out, you did it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a, that's a great reward. You know, I mean, it's uh, not even about a live bowl full of fish or anything like that. It's just, you know, I almost had a bad day and then at the last minute I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how fast you can be outside hunting zero fishing and things turn around at just an instant. <laughs> yeah. So, great. All right. Well, appreciate your time, Jason. You know, 
excellent information. You know, I'm going to have to just listen to this again and kind of absorb all that. But, um, you know, you got me pretty excited to get back on the ice. You know, my brain has still been in like full hunt mode, but now like I've got the itch again. I'm, I'm ready to get out there. (laughs) As soon as you start seeing some ice on a few of these smaller sloughs and stuff, it'll really kick in. Yeah. Then it's really going to happen. So, all right. You know, thank you again. And, uh, you know, best of luck with, uh, the rest of your hunting season and then, and then with ice fishing as that starts yeah thank you thanks for having me on you just heard our segment with shields pro staff jason mitchell make sure to check out his signature line of ice shelters along with any other items you might need for the upcoming ice season at your local shields or online at shields.com and with that we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.